sure other people said it. I said it day one, you legalize cheating, and so get ready for the people that have the most money to get the best players. And now you have it. So it is what it is. And as far as the general manager to manage that, we aren't allowed in the current system to manage what they make. So, um, so there isn't, well, we're not there yet. And I don't know that we ever will be. That's just what I said it should be because that's what any other, you know, professional sports, which is what we are now, does. Cocaine isn't cheap. Mega conference, you know, will create, you know, a little more of a caste system maybe in college football. And I think everybody's got to decide if that's the direction we really want to go or not. Just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. We are live from the Mountain West Media Days here inside Mandalay Bay as Ed Graney has left us. Uh, Coach Arroyo, uh, Marcus Arroyo, is talking to the media here for the next few minutes. Ed Graney's got some other job with a newspaper around here, and he's going to go talk to Marcus Arroyo. Hopefully he'll be back in a few minutes. Uh, but Craig Thompson spoke earlier this morning, the commissioner of the Mountain West, and a couple interesting things from Craig Thompson. First off, he said that six to 12 teams reached out with interest in joining the Mountain West if the Mountain West was going to expand. So the curious part on those six to 12 teams, I wonder when he says with interest, how interested are they? Was this a Pac-12 school? Was this an Oregon State? Was this a Washington State, a team that potentially – could be left without a conference if the Pac-12 loses more members. Reaching out to the Mountain West to kind of ask, hey, what, uh, what would happen here if we left, if the Pac-12 no longer exists? Or is this uh, more about like FCS schools wanting to come up? Because the interesting part is when you look at the Mountain West, who would actually want to join the conference? It would be teams on this side of the country if you're in the Pac-12, you don't want to leave the Pac-12 unless the Pac-12 doesn't exist anymore. Outside of that, like a UTEP maybe, a New Mexico State maybe, like if there's an FCS school, like I guess if a, if a Dakota came up, North Dakota, South Dakota, one of those teams went from FCS to FDS, maybe, but it just, I don't know who the 12 is. That's a big number considering there's not very many teams out here. And Craig Thompson said this morning, his, his quote was, our options are right now we don't have to do anything. Uh, J Trust of KTVB tweeting out that quote. Uh, but their options right now, not having to do anything. Uh, Craig Thompson also talked about geography and how it is significant for the Mountain West and that there, there's just not a ton of options. It's not the Southeast or the Midwest where there's a lot more options there. But I, I think it's interesting for him saying, what are our options right now? And saying, we don't have to do anything. Because I think that's that's kind of where the Mountain West is. The Mountain West is not... They're not, they're not a conference that's able to be proactive in this situation. It's not a conference that can actually go out and poach valuable men, members. They could, If there's an FCS program that wanted to come up, sure, the Mountain West could take them on. But how much value does that bring to the Mountain West? N- none at all, right? That doesn't really do anything if you add North Dakota State to the Mountain West. They might be better than a lot of teams. <laughs> yeah, the I was going to say, they might win. But it's not going to actually help you as a program, or as a, as a conference, I should say, make more money. So if you're the Mountain West, I, I think Craig Thompson is right. Their options right now, they're the best thing for the Mountain West to do is to not do anything. I mean, you, you do as much as you can to keep your current membership, 
right? You don't want to lose schools because that's when your problems start to happen, and that's sort of the worst-case scenario playing out is, is if you start to lose a bunch of schools. But even in that sense, there's not really anything you can do to prevent schools from leaving. If, if one of the power conferences calls any of the schools in the Mountain West, they're gone. It, it, it doesn't matter. Like, any of them are gone. It could be Boise State. It could be UNLV. It could be San Diego State. It could be a team that nobody even thinks would leave, right? If somebody called any of these programs – and said, hey, we've got a spot for you in the Big 12. Hey, we've got a spot for you in the Pac-12. They're gone. And there's nothing that the Mountain West, there's nothing that Craig Thompson could do that would convince them to stay. So in reality, it's more of a, hey, uh, we're just going to stay as we are and wait for things to happen. They have to be a reactionary conference. They cannot be an aggressive conference. They can't be the Big Ten who can just look at the map and say, oh, who's good? Well, what TV market do we want? Oh, let's L.A.? All right, we'll take UCLA and USC, they, they can't, that's not the Mountain West. So it doesn't really look great. Like it's not the most um, confidence-inspiring quote to say our options are right now. We don't have to do anything. But it's the reality of where the Mountain West is, and it's the best-case scenario is that they just sit back and let everything else happen. And, and honestly, like if you're the Mountain West, you probably hope the Pac-12 falls apart. Like, you probably hope the Big 12 raids the Pac-12 and the Big 10 takes, whatever, Oregon and Washington, and it leaves the Washington State, Oregon State, Cal, Stanford uh, teams, and you add them because that would make the Mountain West actually better rather than in the past when they lost TCU and Utah and BYU. Yeah, they went and got San Jose State and Nevada, and it's uh, made the conference worse, right? It was good enough to sort of keep the membership high, keep the number of teams high, but it didn't really add a whole lot to the conference to add those schools, especially when you lost some of your better programs there. So that's, I don't think Greg Thompson is wrong when he says we don't have to do anything right now. Now, in college athletics, here's an interesting um, situation that is probably going to play out over the next few years, and that is uh, what does the college football playoff actually look like in the future? We have had a four-team playoff with no – Uh, automatic qualifiers, a four-team playoff with just the top four teams decided by a playoff committee. There's been a lot of talk. I know Craig Thompson was on the uh, committee that was uh, recommending expansion last year. That ended up falling apart. But what does it look like going forward? Um, Eight teams has been thrown out there. Twelve teams has been thrown out there. And part of a bigger playoff, especially if they were to go to 12, would be to have some form of automatic qualifiers. If you're at 12, it's very easy to give one spot to the champion of each of the Power 5 conferences and then have at least one, maybe more, but at least one spot going to a the best group of five teams, the highest ranked group of five teams. That's a very easy thing, right? Six teams, automatic qualifiers, and then you take the next best six and there's your 12-team playoff. Technically, you could do that with eight as well and only have two at-large teams that get in, but the idea of having automatic qualifiers seems to go hand-in-hand with having a bigger college football playoff. However, the commissioner of the SEC, Greg Sankey, at SEC Media Days this week, uh, he really likes the idea of having no automatic qualifiers. No, hey, you won the Big 12. Hey, you won the Pac-12. Hey, you won the Big 10. You are in. Greg Sankey, his quote was, I'd be fine with no automatic qualifiers at 4, 8, or 12. And he said that the inclusion of those automatic qualifiers, the inclusion of conference champions being guaranteed 
a spot in an 8 or 12 team playoff was a compromise. That's the way that he phrased it, a compromise to have automatic qualifiers. This is a position that solely benefits the SEC. Maybe it benefits the Big Ten. I presume in the future the Big Ten is going to be really good. Uh, It's going to be the SEC (laughs) and the Big Ten. Maybe it benefits the Big Ten. But as of now, it solely benefits the SEC because Greg Sankey is looking at this. The SEC is looking at it, and they're saying, okay, so if we go to a 12-team playoff, uh, you're going to guarantee that there's a spot for a Big 12 champion. In the future, Texas and Oklahoma won't be in that conference. So you're going to guarantee a spot for Oklahoma State, for Baylor, somebody like that. You're also going to guarantee a spot for a Pac-12 champion. So that means Oregon, Washington, uh, Arizona State, Arizona, somebody like that is going to be guaranteed a spot in. But, hey, we're in the SEC, and on any given year in the top 12, we got four or five teams. We got we got teams ranked 1, 3, 8, and 12. And if that's the case, we're going to see our fourth best team, who's ranked 11th in the country, not make a 12-team playoff because number 17 Utah got in with three losses. And that's the way the SEC is looking at this because on a yearly basis, they have a lot of teams inside that top 12, and they want as many teams in that playoff as possible they want as many options for their teams to play and so for greg sankey it makes a whole lot of sense to push a playoff format that does not include automatic qualifiers because that would allow more sec teams i mean hell it's you could have six of them in there depending on their especially when they expand with texas and oklahoma you're gonna have 16 teams they're not gonna play everybody like you could have multiple teams that have you know one or two losses that are legitimately in that top 12 situation like that's what could happen in the future and that's what the sec should actually want so it's a fascinating situation where if you're in basically any conference that's not the sec or the big 10 you don't want this you want an automatic qualifier. i mean how how many times have we heard about the pac-12 and just basically do they have access like that's a power conference that can't get in here and now you could have a 12-team playoff and most years, you know, a power conference champion should be in the top 12, but especially losing UCLA and USC, like there's legitimate chances that it doesn't happen regularly for a Pac-12, for a Big 12 or something like that. And that would be a problem ultimately for the rest of college football. And it, it brings me back to the same question that I basically keep asking over and over. When and what does the break in college football look like? It feels inevitable that we're going to get there, that we're going to get to something in the future and what college football looks like five years from now, ten years from now, whatever it is, I'm, I'm curious to see. Where does that break happen? Because it's once USC, UCLA, Oklahoma, and Texas make the moves out of the Pac-12 and the Big 12 and they join the SEC and the Big 10, you don't have a true like Power 5 anymore. And, and honestly, you probably haven't had it for a little while anyways. But you have a Power 2, and then there's a second tier. There's a second tier of power conferences. And... You like if you're trying to make the break, right, of where there's a division in college football, five years from now you can legitimately say it's it's Big Ten and SEC and then there's a break and everything else below that is is worse. And so would those two consider doing it on their own? Would those two decide, you know what, we're going to make this break on our own and maybe we invite a few more schools because there are a few more deserving schools, but would they make that break? 
Or would they look at it and say, you know, the ACC is still good. Whatever remains of the Big Ten or Big 12 and Pac-12, like, yeah, there's something out there that's a value. Like, yeah, we're going to bring those conferences or some of those programs along with us. And that break is sort of at the power five as we know it right now between that and the group of five. Like, I'm just curious to see what that break looks like because it seems inevitable at this point that we're going to get it and that in five years from now, ten years from now, UNLV is not playing for the same championship as, as Alabama or whatever, right? Like, that's that's what we've been in for a long time in college football. But it feels like five to ten years we'll have sort of an official, oh, there's a legitimate break. The Whatever the power conferences are at that point, they're playing for some playoff, for some championship, and then whatever the group of five is at that point is playing – for a completely separate championship and basically a completely separate division. Maybe there's still some games where they cross over and play those teams, but it's a completely different league, completely different division, and it creates a, a divide in college football. And then what happens to the Mountain West? What happens to UNLV and programs out here at Mountain West Media Day from that? They basically have no control over it. It's not up to them. It's up to the power brokers of college football, which mostly reside in the SEC and the Big Ten. All right, coming up next, we're joined by Sam and Ash. Call Sam at Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit their website, samandashlaw.com. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. (laughs) I just want you guys to know that Ed is actually here at the Mandalay Bay, but he's not with me. He just ditched you guys to go talk to Marcus Arroyo. Wow. I don't know if that's how I feel about that. That's fair. Marcus Arroyo over us? That's fair. Wow. You gotta you gotta work through those feelings, but I just our win loss sure record know. is way better. <laughs> I hope so. I hope Gosh. it's a lot better. And remember, you can catch a all lot. of the UNLV football games right here on ESPN <laughs> Las Vegas. So, okay, the the first story I want to talk to you guys about, I, I maybe it's very simplistic, but I just need some help here. Dan Snyder. The, there's a house committee that wants to talk to Dan uh, Snyder. I should have played he's on a boat. There, uh, There's a subpoena that's supposed to get Dan Snyder to come talk to them. But he has been on his yacht for like, uh, we're on like two weeks now, I think. And he's just on his yacht. And apparently he can't be served a subpoena while he's on his yacht in the middle of a body of water, in the middle of the ocean or the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. Can you guys explain this to me? Is he just, like, on his yacht because he knows nobody can serve him a subpoena and this is just his plan to avoid this all? I would say partially, yes, but it's also the summer. If you have a $100 million yacht, I'd be there, too, frankly, rather than in front of the House committee. I mean, if I had the, if I had the choice, I think I'm picking the yacht, guys. No? Yeah, I guess. It just, at some point, he's got to get off the boat, right? Right. And so, exactly. At some point, the season's going to start. If he wants to actually manage his team, he has to come back to the to the <laughs> mainland. And he will be served with a subpoena. Of course, the Judiciary Committee wants to have these conversations now, not then. Uh, but in And the critical thing is he's volunteered. He's like, look, I will show up via Zoom. And the House says, no, we want you under subpoena power because it's critical if you're not under subpoena he could just literally hit power off in the middle of testimony if they start asking questions and there would be no legal repercussions for it he could just you know crunkle a a wrapper and say oh fuzzy signal and then power off and that would be it would that be Uh, your legal advice (laughs) i mean if if he was volunteering i say hey don't incriminate yourself just power down buddy (laughs) like you know what 
But if you're under subpoena power, there's legal consequences. You have to sit there. You have to testify under oath. And so that's what they're going for. What is the so he's on he's on his boat and the last update of his yacht's location was somewhere like off the coast of of Italy. What would happen if he got off his boat in Italy? Like would would Italy send him to the United States or or would nothing happen if he just got off in a different country? No, this isn't an arrest warrant. This is a, a just getting him served with a subpoena. So, I mean, conceivably, someone could the process server for the House of Representatives could fly to Italy, you know, get on some jet skis and, you know, motor up to, you know, wherever he's getting off his boat and and throw the subpoena at him. You, you know, we've all seen the movies of how that happens. It's not a formal process. Uh, but, you know, I, that's a lot of work. So <laughs> taxpayer <probably> dollars <laughs> for a little Pirates of the Caribbean adventure. I don't think we're going to be fond of that. But, and, and by the way, don't we have like, I don't know, we have a recession coming. We've got gas prices through the roof, cost of goods going up, all the stuff that's, you know, we don't talk about on sports radio, but it's all there. And Congress is worried about this. This is what they're doing. They're holding, you know, they're subpoenaing guys with football teams about bad stuff that they did. I, I mean, it's and they're trying to Ash is right. They're trying to get at him now because they want the media attention now because every one of these Congress persons is running for re-election in November. They're all up for re-election. So this is just a big publicity stunt for them. Uh, different, another story, and this one uh, comes from uh, a libel case that we have being filed here. So Casey Close is an agent who used to represent Freddie Freeman, and he is suing Doug Gottlieb, who is a radio host, and Doug Gottlieb reported that Casey Close did not tell Freddie Freeman of a contract offer from the Atlanta Braves this past offseason, and then Freddie Freeman signed with the Dodgers because he wasn't aware of that contract offer from the Braves. Casey Close has said, just come out and said that's not true, and now he's even suing Doug Gottlieb for libel in this case. Um, I am going back to like a journalism law class that I took in college, but Am I right in thinking that Casey Close has to prove that Doug Gottlieb, when he reported that, knew it was false and wanted to harm Casey Close for him to win this case? Not necessarily have the intent to harm, but he knew that there was a great chance that it wasn't true, and he reported it anyway. Absolutely. Um, So, yeah. So just based on that, this is going to be a hard case for Casey Close to win? Well, it depends. You know, you got, it, there's always a fun part of a lawsuit called discovery, and that's when both sides get to request written answers to questions. They can require depositions. They can subpoena and get documents from the other side. And so it's all going to come out during that process what Doug Gottlieb, <clears throat> what Doug Gottlieb actually knew prior to his tweet about this um, offer and whether or not he knew it wasn't true or was true does it have to be as explicit as like a message that says oh that's not true to doug gottlieb like oh no that never happened like does it have to be that explicit or can things be i guess more or less inferred from less explicit messages yeah that's a challenge right i mean if there's obviously if there's something there that's a smoking gun that shows that he knows that it's not true then that would be you know that's the slam dunk doubtful you get that honestly so it's it's going to come down to the jury but remember i also think that this 
like, you know, obviously if an agent misses a contract opportunity for his, his player, that's a big deal. It's injurious to his reputation. So I think, I think the agent here had to do this and has to go through this process to really show everybody that this did not happen because otherwise his, his, his cred is, is challenged and potentially is a, a problem for him. So I, I, I see this as a little bit of a, a, there's a business reason for going through this entire thing, win or lose. Am I wrong in saying I feel like there's not a lot of libel or defamation cases against uh, reporters or media outlets? Well, not in the U.S., but uh, you know, when, when in, in England there are. There's, there are stricter libel laws there. So, so plaintiffs have, have I, as I understand it, law in, in England is, is, is a little bit more favorable to plaintiffs. And so you, you have newspaper, newspapers get taken to court there all the time. And, and you, have, you, you have some big verdicts. Um, one question on the uh, UCLA and USC moving to the Big Ten. And I feel like we've had similar type stories in the past when colleges are leaving conferences or changing conferences where some form of the state government will try to jump in and say, wait a minute, we don't know if we like this. We might try to change this or try to block that. Um, that's apparently what could be happening in California. Uh, the governor, Gavin Newsom, who's on the Board of Regents there in California, said that they're looking into legal action related to uh, UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten. Is there anything they can do? Because I don't remember there ever being a situation where a, a state government actually did block a school from changing conferences. The reason generally is is because when a school makes a decision to change conferences there is a legitimate interest in that shift you know these schools are all in conferences under contract for a set amount of years and so then they look that i think the pac-12 only off gave each school like around 18 million dollars in revenue whereas the sec was giving like 54 million dollars to their member schools so when you're looking at those financial interests UCLA is going to go to the Board of Regents and say, hey, we're making a, a move that's actually beneficial to us, which makes us less of a burden on the UC Regents, less of a burden on the state. We are more financially independent. We're more attractive nationally. And so it's going to be a very tough argument for the UC Regents to come in and block it. What would be the reasoning for a border regents or any sort of state government or anything like that? Like, what would be their reasoning for not wanting UCLA or USC to make that move? Like, why would they look at it and say, oh, no, we need you to stay in the Pac-12? Like, what would be their point of, of trying to keep them from joining the Big Ten? Well, the best argument would be is if UCLA was going to be accused of breaching their contract with the Pac-12 and causing a damages and a liability issue on them because the UC regents pay out all of those types of settlements. The other is, look, the other team in the Pac-12 is Cal Berkeley, UC Berkeley. And so that's another school that's under the purview of the UC regents. And Look, UCLA and USC leaving, those are the nationally known schools. They're the ones that, are, along with Oregon, that are really of interest on the national stage. And so this Pac-12, as it stands, is really limping along. And so that's probably where the UC Regents would hold its hat is with Berkeley. But I don't think it'll last. And I think if Governor Newsom stepped in, it would be very foolish. His state, has a, like Sam says, <laughs> has a lot of bigger issues to focus on than college football. 
Uh, last story, uh, we had a fight at an AAU basketball game between a referee and some coaches and players. And the difference in this one and a lot of the ones that we've talked to you guys about is the referee apparently actually swung first. Uh, he threw a punch at a coach, and then that led to essentially the referee getting jumped uh, in this gym. And I'm, we, we've talked a lot about the whole idea of like imminent danger and that being like sort of the main justification for if you attack somebody. Um, how does that play out if like a referee swings and, and punches one person and it leads to like seven or eight people then jumping that referee? Okay, so obviously, you know, if seven or eight people jump somebody in, a, in retaliation for a single punch, that's not self-defense. So they're not going to enjoy the privileges of a self-defense argument. Potentially, all these people can go to jail and, and be cited for assault. All of them. Okay, so th this, there's potential criminal charges, and certainly they, they would have grounds to sue one another. Now, if I'm the judge, <laughs> better yet, if, I, if I'm on the jury, <laughs> and, I, hear, and I'm, I have to sit there for, for five days and not go to work and be with my family because I have to listen to people suing each other over mutual combat, right? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw the book at all of them. I'm going I'm to award, if there's less than zero, I will award it. Um, <laughs> you so pay me. You pay, yeah. Where <laughs> pay me for pain and suffering for having to listen to this? So, so do I? Is there going to be a lawsuit from this? Maybe. Is it going to go anywhere? Absolutely not. I like the phrase "mutual combat." It is. Yeah, you, know, I you think throw I, a punch, <laughs> you get jumped. You know, you 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 kind of got you you got your just desserts, right? I yeah. think I, I owned mean, uh, Mutual Combat on the Sega Genesis. <laughs> we all did, Jared. We all did. <laughs> well, they are Sam and Ash at SamAndAshLaw.com, 702-820-1234. Um, Ed Graney ditched you guys, and I'm sorry about that, but um, we'll talk to him next week maybe? maybe. Maybe. Probably not. He'll ditch you guys again. He'll find a We're way. We're here for you anyways. Yes, I Tell know. Tell him that. I know. I will. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> See ya. Take care. Bye. All right, coming up next, maybe at Granny's back, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. I never realized baseball had so much butt touching. Bischoff's Briefs. That's how they communicate. Bischoff's Briefs. It's like Braille, but with butts. Bischoff's Briefs. Read my butt! Ed Graney is back. Yes. Talked to Marcus Arroyo. Talked to Craig Thompson. How was Marcus Speaking. Arroyo? He was good. Anything was good. good to say? Uh, yeah, he had a lot of good things to say. Did he uh, Did he admit that he wants to come on the show? No. <laughs> there, were, there were too many people around him for him to admit that. But, uh, no, talked about the team, how they're pretty much at the 105 mark. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's excited. Uh, it'll be the second fall camp for him because of the COVID situation. Uh, so he was excited. Six wins. Did not know this. Um, tied in, in tied for third in NCAA record last year. And you talked about this beforehand, uh, or when we were talking about the team. Six win. Six. Uh, excuse me. Six losses of less than one score yes. last year. Yeah, yeah. So, yep. you know, yep. I think he, that 
excites them that, like you said, you win three of those, and then all of a sudden nobody's talking right. about two wins. Uh, it was UNLV and Nebraska last season that lost six or more one-score games. One-score games. And I think Nebraska lost like eight or nine. Like they had a like Nebraska was legitimately like one play away in every game from being like a eleven That's win team. Probably because the Martinez kid was a forty year old quarterback. Because I don't think there's <laughs> I don't think they've had another quarterback since like two thousand six that Martinez kid. <laughs> but yes, you know what I'm talking. About. Yes, I mean, oh, he yeah. just, he never he's been the quarterback there forever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was UNLV and Nebraska that were like you know. One bounce in a few games, and all of a sudden, they're like a legit. Like Nebraska yeah. was, Nebraska played everybody to one. They lost every single time, <laughs> but they played like everybody to one one possession games. Like yeah. they, if if you had put Nebraska in a college football playoff game, they would have lost in the last thirty seconds to of Alabama. Co- oh yes, it would have been the best college football game we had seen, and they would we, lose. We would have known who would have won ahead of time, but it would have been a tremendously entertaining game. All right, Bischoff's briefs today. I'm going to give you. Uh, something from last week because we gotta keep it a little bit short here because we're running out of time here. Last week we're on vacation, but this was something right up uh, my alley. Did you see that the whack for their college basketball tournament are going to seed teams basically based on Ken Palm? No. So Ken Palm ratings. So normally in college basketball, you have your conference record, and that determines your seeding. Seed. And there's you know, 76 tiebreakers in case two teams finish 12 and 6 or whatever. But that's normally how you do it, is your conference record determines your seed. Well, the WAC is going to change that. And they basically, their commissioner basically met with Ken Palm and said, hey, can we come up with some sort of, you know, algorithm that will right. seed our teams? And the logic behind it is that the WAC is trying to maximize the chance that they get their best basketball team into the NCAA tournament. Because it's possible that the best whack team is finishes as the two third, or the three seed. Or third seed, right, right? right. And in this scenario, and they might, you know, have the best resume or whatever, but they're the two or the three seed because, you know, they lost one random game in conference play. So in this scenario, you could have a team go fifteen and three and then another team go 13 and five and the thirteen and five team get the one seed. Because they're rated higher in Ken Palm. Because their Ken Palm ranking is higher. I don't think they're just using the Ken Palm ranking. I think Ken Palm's doing something a little bit special for them that'll be slightly different, but it'll probably end up being very similar to the Ken Palm rankings. But that's the logic behind it, is that they want to get the team that's actually the best into the NCAA tournament. That way they can get a better seed and potentially win more games. It will count non-conference games as well. So this is not just about conference play. If you have a good non-conference run, that will help you out for your conference tournament seeding. I love Ken Palm. Uh, great. Love the basketball analytics. Uh, I'll tell you Ken Palm rankings hundreds or thousands of times throughout the season. I think it is the easiest way to get a very quick gauge on how good a team is. I hate this. I hate what the WAC is doing. Okay, I you absolutely could have knocked me over on that. I, I hate you. it. Why is that? So, I would have never guessed that. The reason sports are great is because it's simple. You win or you lose, and that's what matters. Right, your Ken Palm ranking doesn't actually matter. Whether you win or lose the game, no, is what matters, and that's why sports are great. Ken Palm is great for us analyzing college basketball. Ken Palm is great for trying to make uh, projections as to what a team's going to do in the future. Because hey, yeah, they lost a few games more than we thought, but they were all by two points, so they're probably better than you think, right? Like Ken Palm is great for analyzing things. I don't necessarily want it determining 
who's actually advancing and stuff like that. Like I would prefer, hey, you went 15 and three, they went 13 and five. You're the one seed. You're the one seed. Like, because in all seriousness, there is a legitimate situation where you could have two teams tied going into the final game of the regular season. They play each other. Normally, the winner would get the one seed. There's a situation where, oh, the loser gets the one seed. Right. Because, oh, their Ken Palm ranking was a little bit higher. And I, I don't like that. Like, I love Ken Palm. I'm going to use it all the time. You to, always use yeah, it. Yeah, to figure out who's good and who's Offensive, bad. Offensive, defensive efficiency. Oh, yeah. It's, it's phenomenal. It's an unbelievable resource. It's probably the best statistical resource of any college sport across the board, right, to just quickly get a very good understanding of what a team is good at, what they're not good at. But I, I hate the idea of a league saying, hey, uh, we're going to throw away the actual wins and losses from conference play in favor of your Ken Palm ranking. Surprising. I thought you were going to pump it. Mountain West Commissioner Craig Thompson was just walking by. I thought you'd call him over and say, look, <laughs> I've got an idea here for how you seed your, your, your basketball tournament. You need to follow the whack. I don't, like, I, I don't hate the, um, I guess, experiment, the process of, hey, like, we want to get our best team in. How do we do that? Everybody thinks Ken Palm is great. Like, I, I don't hate the, the thought process behind it, but I just – sports is great because you win or you lose. And, like, I'll sit here and tell you every day of the week the Astros were better than the Braves last year. But the Braves won the World right. Series, right? And I think anybody, if, if right after the World Series ended last year, they were like, oh, they're playing seven games again, the Astros would have been favored to win right. another right. seven-game series. Like, but the Braves won the World Series. The Braves – we're the team that won that seven-game series. Even if the Astros were a better team over the course of the year, it, it doesn't matter. Like, it's you you win the Dodgers were better than the they Braves. were. They were absolutely yes. Tell you, they were better than the Braves. Yes, and, and they lost to them. Right, but that doesn't. It's irrelevant. If there was a Ken Palm yeah. for baseball at the end of the year, the Dodgers and Astros would have been ahead of the yes, Braves. Exactly, they would have been. But that's not who won the World Series, and that's why sports is great. And so I, I am not a big fan of using this to actually. Predict. I will say the one thing. They're just changing the seeds around, and I would actually guess at the end of the day they're going to be pretty similar to what they'd normally well, be. Well, that's my question. This could work out towards just the seeds right. is a seed, the seeds right. are the seeds, and the fifteen and three teams, yeah. the number one team, you know, the the top team in Ken Palm for that league, right? And maybe like oh, the six and the seven switch spots right. or exactly. something. But like it's still it's most years probably going to be pretty similar, and it's still just the seeds. So like. You still get to play the games, right? They're not automatically right. just, oh yeah, you went thirteen and five. You're you're our team, right? They're still playing the conference tournament, so it's still you have your own, you control your own destiny and all that. But I eh, just don't like it that much because you win or you lose. That's that's what we do in sports. And then I come on here and tell you, well, Ken Palm said this, right? Ken Palm said lost. that they lost, but it wasn't the worst loss because right. their offensive rating. So Tyler's actually mad that it's. Taking his job. Exactly. Oh, 100%. Yes, yes. 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 <laughs> no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Uh, 100%. That's what I meant. This is at. all personal right. with him. Right. You're, you're trying to take my angle. This on is my away. content. That's right. 100% is what's happening here. All right. Here we go. We've got tickets to go see ZZ Top. They are coming to Las Vegas to the Venetian December 3rd through the 10th, and we've got a pair of tickets for one of those uh, days. Right now, 702-364-1100 is the phone number. If you want to go see ZZ Top in December, 702-364-1100. We call the number 11 right now, and you'll win a pair of tickets to go see ZZ Top. That's 702-364-1100. I wish I could tell you I'd, I'd watch more Netflix. I haven't watched a lot lately. During the season, it's good to watch uh, you know, to kind of get your head straight, but I'm up to date on Better Call Saul. I'm up to date on Yellowstone. Uh, 
Oh, yeah, I'll tell you, that's part of it. The, the kids got me into stranger things, and I'm certainly not ready for this season. I'm about halfway through. I don't know. <clears throat> so if you guys have any good recommendations, I could probably use them. You're locked in the press box. Congratulations to John. He won tickets to Ultimate Ninja World Series Finals earlier in the show. And congratulations to David, who won tickets to go see ZZ Top. Uh, make sure you tune in Friday. We'll have more tickets to give away. Uh, one programming note, we are off tomorrow, but we're back on Friday. Um, is Mike Leach the one football coach in the country that would say he watches Netflix during the season? Yes. <laughs> he's the one coach we all want to cover. <laughs> I can't, he's, The kids got him into stranger things. I assume he means his players. I don't know. Maybe his actual kids. I don't have any idea. Does he have actual kids? That I don't know. I don't know. He'd either. be an interesting I pops. feel like being married to Mike well, no, yeah, because he one time did a whole speech about how you're supposed to propose. So, yes, he is married. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe he's not. He just has been formulating how he would propose this entire – he's the opposite of Cassie Soto. Yeah. He's like, I know how to do it. Not going to happen anytime soon, but I absolutely know how to do it. What was he saying? Stranger Things, Yellowstone? And uh, Better Call Saul. Oh, uh. Which is, uh, that's that's the spinoff of Breaking Bad. Yep, I yep. haven't seen either one yeah. of those. You've never seen Breaking Bad? No. Oh, that, that's good. I, I watched Better Call Saul for like a year, and then I, I walked away from it. And now I see these tweets that it's like the greatest thing ever, and people are loving it. But I loved Breaking Bad. I thought Breaking Bad was terrific. That was really good. <laughs> went to, uh, in New Mexico, went to a lot, did the Breaking Bad tour. You did? In Albuquerque, yeah. Oh, because you were were you covering a UNLV New Mexico? Oh yeah, game? I didn't just okay. go there. Okay, I was gonna say. What do you want to do for vacation? Well, <laughs> we can go to cabin in, the, in California, or we can go to the Breaking Bad tour in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah, that wouldn't go over very well. No, I, we were covering a uh, uh, Ryan Green and I. Uh, it yeah, it had to be UNLV basketball, I would think. And um, went to the house where the pizza was on top of it. Went to. Um, all the spots where the uh, famous scenes were were shot, or at least the B-roll of them were shot. The famous scenes yeah. that I would not recognize. No, you would not recognize at all. No, barely recognize. Not if you've ever seen. Not if you've never seen it. I barely recognize the White House when I went to that. I'm like, what's this building? <laughs> did you take a tour? Not of the White House. No, we couldn't get a tour of the White House. We did go in the Capitol, but not the White yeah, House. Yeah, Capitol is cool. Yeah, it is cool. Yeah, it's big. White House is kind of small. Really small. Yeah. When you get there, it's like you, you're like, that's it? Yeah, there's also people on the roof. You're kind of afraid. like <laughs> With guns. What are they going to do? <laughs> With guns. Like there's, a, like there's a big black fence, and it says, like, don't stick your hands through the fence. Yeah. I'm like, okay, what happens if I do stick my hand through the fence? <laughs> that guy up there with the scope that's laid, laid like, right on you. People were taking pictures, and they were putting their hands through the fence to take a picture. And I was like, okay. No one said anything? No, nobody said anything. There's nobody actually, like, at the, at the, the fence the gate, where we right. were. There's just people on the <laughs> roof with guns. It's like, ah, okay. Oh. I guess I better be careful of that. But, yeah, no, didn't do didn't do the White House tour. Did the did the Capitol tour. That was a good one. T- did I tell you? So they have fences up on the Capitol where the people storm the Capitol. Right, yeah, because sure. Because of that. But the other side, there's no fences up. Like, there's security there. If you walk up to it, they'll be like, what are you doing? But because we did that, and they said, "What are you doing?" But like, you can't walk <laughs> up the other side. Uh, there's also giant fences. Guy like, very late for yeah. storming the Capitol, <laughs> Tyler Bishop. <laughs> the, but the Supreme Court's right across the street. Yep. 
and they have like 15 foot high fences up around the Supreme Court. Well, like, apparently, you used to be able to walk right up on the steps yeah, of the Supreme not, Court. Yeah, not, not, not with some recent <laughs> decisions. Yeah, they, they've, uh, they sort of brought that on themselves. <laughs> a couple of recent decisions kind of put this, kind of put the fences up. I think their houses are surrounded by fences now. You know what was – okay, two things that I thought were really cool. One, uh, Ford's Theater. Yes. And they have the gun that actually mm-hmm. killed Abraham Lincoln. And it was weird. There's like a the little thing there that says about it. Apparently, they did not want to display that for like years. Like it, like it was whatever department of justice or law or whatever, right. like had the murder weapon, and they did not want to display it to the public until I don't know. It's been it's been on display for a long time now. But like whatever, for the longest time, they like refused to let that be seen by the public. How and long was your, how long was your line to get in? Because we stood in a long line. Fourth theater. In. Yeah. Mm, none, none at all. We really, I, we like pre-reserved a time or something, oh, so okay. we just right. walked up. We and just it was stood like, in line. Uh, he was like, "Hey, if you're one thirty, right here," and we were first in line for one thirty, and then you walk in. It was that was really cool. And then uh, the other one was the Library of Congress. Mm-hmm. They have first off, I thought we were going to see a lot more books, but they have like one section where you can see some of the old books from Thomas Jefferson, because apparently the Library of Congress burned down, and then Thomas Jefferson like sold or donated his personal collection to sort of restart the Library of Congress, and then it burned down again. (laughs) So needless to say, fire was a huge problem (laughs) early in American history. The first time it burned down. Mankind's, like, second invention. First time it burned down, apparently all the books destroyed. Second time it burned down, they saved a big chunk of it so it didn't completely burn all the books but like there's books that was like oh this was an original thomas jefferson that was donated now survive the fire tell me you've seen national treasure yes oh yeah those oh. movies are funny and those, great. yeah those are great movies and then i wanted him to make a third and it kept saying in production to, yeah it kept saying in production and then like never came out one of the funniest things though we went to mount vernon which is george washington's yeah, I went old there. house yep. yep they have people in character there mm-hmm these poor women in full, like, long sleeve yep. dresses, like, 17 layers, a bonnet on and everything, outside, no shade, in, like, 95-degree weather, With 90 90 percent humidity. humidity. Exactly. And they're out there cooking, yeah. like, over just this little fire, like, oh, this is how it would have been done. <laughs> and I'm like, are you guys going to survive? Are you going to make it through the day? The girl's face was, like— It is a cool place, though. Sp- Beat red, like so, like as red as you and Elvis' football helmet. 